I think this is like late 2008, early 2009. I, I had left the job uh, doing telemarketing. Uh, I was in a fraternity at UC Irvine, uh, SAE. I had to buy a set of letters. So it's like a sweater that has the embroidered letters um, yeah. of the fraternity for my little bro. I think I had like 80, 80 or 90 bucks in my bank account and the sweater was like 70 bucks. And I was like, yeah, I can't afford this thing uh, right now. So I, uh, I had a history in clothing and apparel because my, my parents had a clothing manufacturing company in downtown. So I, you know, I saw the sweater and I thought to myself, this can't be too hard to make. What's up everybody. Armand here back with another episode. Today's guest, we have Kevin Sadi, he's the founder of Rex Reservations, and he's been starting companies since he was in college. Kevin's truly a pioneer of remote work, doing it since back, I don't know, 2014. And we talk about a lot of great things in this episode. The one that stuck out to me the most is optimizing processes, how to know which process to optimize, when to do it. Uh, and I'll give you the hint. The biggest tip is optimize processes that put money in your bank account. Pretty awesome tip. Uh, we talk a bit about traveling. That's a hobby of his. And he's really looking forward to getting into kite surfing. It's gnarly, dude. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Hard Podcast. Kevin, what's up? How you doing? Good, Armand. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. It's been it's been a minute. We were hanging out a couple months ago um, out in Temecula I, area. I hope that you've been practicing your line dancing skills. I I, <laughs> dude, I have. I'm trying to make it out to Miami. Actually, I was talking to Zeke. I'm I'm trying to be a digital nomad for a, a tiny bit and spend a month out there. This is the place to be. Highly recommended. So yeah, I hear Miami's. Tons of tons of founders have moved here. The vibe is good. People are hardworking. It's just a, a really great energy. You can feel it. Yeah, I, I've heard uh, another thing is that it's it's becoming very entrepreneurial. It's becoming very like a, a a good melting pot for a lot of startups and founders. It's easy to do work here. The city has your back. So as soon as you, I, I moved here, I hit up um, the mayor's office and they said, "Hey, whatever we can do to support you here, are events that are going on here, are groups." Wow. Here's our here are meetups. Here are uh, groups of developers. If you need developers, uh, we have an agency who will give you grants if you get office space and you start hiring people in Miami. So like right away, you know they start they start hitting you with offers on ways to help. And I was like, damn, this didn't exist in LA. Like, yeah, you don't even know. You can't even get an appointment at the office. You can't even get somebody <laughs> to pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah, they've got they got so, so many different. problems. Yeah. Wait. So so how did you? What gave you the idea to hit up the mayor's office? And and I really love that you said the city has your back. It seems like 100%. They were giving you options for developers, employees, events. That's pretty awesome. But what had you reach out? So I had just seen, um, you know, it, on Twitter, I had seen a lot of support. And then I ended up connecting with somebody uh, in my building, actually. And he's the one who, who said, hey, I have some contacts here. You should reach out. Uh, the city is really good about helping new startups, um, you know, get, get situated here in Miami. So I just, I, I got connected and I hit them up and they've, they've been super helpful. Yeah. And for the listener, this is Kevin Sidi. He's the founder of Rex Reservations and he's had a whole history his entire life of doing startup companies. Um, yeah, it kind of, <laughs> I've, I've been hanging out with him. So that's why the intro, it's a little tougher to do the formal intro, but thanks for coming on, Kevin. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. It's, it was a long path uh, before, before starting Rex and I, 
hopefully we'll touch on a little bit of it, but some twists and turns along the way for sure. Yeah. You want to, you want to touch on that now? We can just start with your, your history and then go into Rex. Yeah, sure. So I've had, I've had one quote unquote job. Uh, and that was in college. I was doing, um, equipment financing telemarketing, um, for, for like a, almost a, a bank that did financing for equipment. And so that was, that was a nine month period with my introduction to the casual, uh, work attire, the cubicle, all yeah. that kind of stuff rolled into, I think a six, six to nine month period. And then I exited the workforce, uh, and started my own things from there. Um, so and just the name of that is a snore, man. I see why you left. <laughs> <laughs> Equipment financing, yeah, telemarketing. <laughs> it wasn't so fun. So it was like 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. while I was in college. I'd miss a bunch of class, but I made pretty good Damn. money. Um, and so I tried to schedule my classes Tuesday, Thursday. I had Monday, uh, Monday Wednesday, Friday work. Um, so I tried to kind of balance that, hit five hours uh, yeah. each of those days, and I got back to college life. Um, it was a good experience. I mean, I didn't love the work. Um, but the idea of like waking up at 6.30, getting to the office by 7, those kinds of things, you know, teach discipline early on. So I, I'm, I'm fortunate for the, you know, that experience. But truthfully, it sucked, right? Like and the, work, the work sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Telemarketing, was that just a bunch of cold calling? Yeah, yeah. We had a system. You click the button, it tells you the next one to call and it auto dials for you. And then you keep, you take notes. And, you know, yeah, you had competitions who makes the most calls who gets the most sales. I got pretty good at it after a couple months. So, so the money was decent, but it's just not, not very creative, not very fun. Are you still making cold calls now? I feel like you always have to be making cold calls. Yeah. Even, even in Rex now I'm, I'm making cold, uh, cold calls for sure. You always want to be making cold calls because you never know who you're going to reach out. It, it does suck, but it's such a, yeah, it's such a high leverage way to get, um, to break into a market, to, to, to make a new deal, to start making more money in a new way. So yeah, I've heard, I've heard that's, that's very, that's consistent throughout. I've heard a lot of people mention how cold calling does um, really impact results, especially when you're, when you're starting on that early on growth phase and not many people kind of recognize your name, even when yeah, they do it, like you still got to reach out. The reality is doing things that suck, move the needle. Cold calling, it, it's, it's a drag. Um, it's, a hit to your ego. Uh, it's, it's tough to get rejected, yeah. but at the end of the day, it really does, uh, work wonders, right? Yeah. You just need a couple of deals. So kind of back to, back to the timeline. I think this is like late 2008, early 2009. I, I had left the job, uh, doing telemarketing and I was in a fraternity at UC Irvine, uh, SAE. And shout out, I shout out to the SAE boys. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't have any money uh, to my name. I, I think I had, I had spent all the money that I made, uh, from the previous job. Uh, I had to buy a set of letters. So it's like a sweater that has the embroidered letters, um, yeah. of the fraternity for my little bro. And I think I had like 80, 80 or 90 bucks in my bank account. And the sweater was like 70 bucks. And I was like, yeah, I can't afford this thing, uh, right now. So I, uh, I had a history in, clothing and apparel because my, my parents had a clothing manufacturing company in downtown. So I, you know, I saw the sweater and I thought to myself, this can't be too hard to make it, right? Yeah. This can't be too hard to just get made. Like there's no way this thing costs 70 bucks. So I actually set out to get it made, um, custom. So I, uh, I hit up some contractors and I said, I pretended like I had a business. I said, I'm, I'm looking for a contract to make me some of these. Can you make me a sample? So I got a sample done. I actually got it done for free. Uh, I didn't have to pay anything because, you know, they, they want to earn the business. 
and you're like here little bro here's your sweater <laughs> yeah i got i got the the, uh, the sweater in and then i started to kind of think about how that could be a business i said look these are they're, they're charging 70 bucks for this this guy is going to charge 25 bucks all in uh to get these things done so i started the business i i, I grabbed a buddy of mine uh who was in the fraternity me and him became partners and we started uh, what became greek life inc on the college campus uh, my senior year. And the business boomed really quickly. We hustled. Uh, we got our first orders by creating a paper order form. We didn't have a website. This is 2009. We knew we needed a website, but we didn't have one yet. Damn, we, you were we doing this it. in the, the middle of the crash, huh? That's sick. We, we, which I'll get to. I think it was the best time to start a business. The, the, huh. the best time to start a business was, was a crash. And we had a lot of good opportunities because of that. So yeah, this is like, this is like, December 08, January 08, roughly, yeah. So, so kind of the, the trough, right? Yeah. Things were bad that time. Um, prospects were getting jobs out of college were tough. So we yeah, started very business. true. Yeah, it, that's what they were telling us. They were like, hey, by the way, don't get your hopes up. You know, when you graduate, we're graduating in a year. The job market is really tough. And so we're like, you know, after that. So that kind of fueled you. Thing. Yeah, you're like, okay, I, I have to do this now. If, if I'm probably not getting a job on the, uh, on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do? Go apply for jobs with everybody else graduating. Yeah. And, and, and they're telling you right now that nobody's really hiring. It was, it was, a, it was a bad path. So we started this company, we made this, um, these paper order forms, uh, in the computer lab because they had, a they had, uh, Adobe illustrator, which is yeah. by the way, way too expensive for us to afford. So we, we used a computer lab. We made a paper order form. We printed like a thousand copies at the at the computer lab, uh, and then we started handing these out to you know our friends, you know the fraternities, sororities, and instead of charging seventy, we charged fifty for you know everything all in all all the embroidery you can get on on your sleeve, on the hood, all you know all the customizations you want. Fifty yeah. all in was, was our offer, and orders started coming in. They hit us up. People would draw out their letters on the on the paper order form. They give it to us. We take it to our guy once a week. We give him, you know, first week we give him five orders. Next Friday we we drive over, pick it up, uh, you know, give him a ten orders. We did this on and on, and the orders started picking up. And we started doing group orders, where like the entire story would be like, oh, we need forty of them, we need fifty of them. You know, the the whole pledge class needs to match. And then we started yeah. getting getting orders in that for for like two thousand, three thousand, and we started saving up. Yeah. Then we then we graduated. We graduated. And that summer is sort of when I got my first introduction to technology, websites, yeah. things like that. We, we built the website, right? So we said, hey, look, we got this paper order form. We're doing well. Everyone can customize it. But now that we're off campus and we want to grow across the country, we need a website. So we spent probably eight to 10 hours a day for the whole summer figuring out how to use at that time, Shopify wasn't as big as it is now. They were like a baby company and you could yeah. barely do anything with it. There was a company called uh, Volution. Volution was the Shopify of like of the 2010s. Uh, so anyways, we, we customized it. We made a business out of it. Everything worked well. We started you know, marketing online. We started getting orders from, from different um, schools. Uh, I grew that business for four to five years. And then I, I sold it to my partner, actually. I, um, main reason being I was commuting uh, an hour to work and an hour back from LA to Long Beach. And I hated the commute. Hated the commute. So I sold the business in, in For anyone who's never experienced LA traffic, don't. 
<laughs> I made a promise after selling that business that I'll never commute again. And I've been in remote work since 2013. So wow, uh, quite a long time before it became cool yeah. in 2020. <laughs> but you a pioneer on remote work and, and it was really, it was really based off of something you just didn't want to do. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. An hour and 15 minutes a day in the car is, is taxing, you know, each way. So you just feel like you're wasting time. So that was, um, that was sort of the first biz. And, and it's kind of crazy when you look back and, and you realize that you didn't really know anything, but you're just learning on the fly and, and doing it, which I think is the best way. Um, but it was a great experience. I mean, we, we, we learned so many things from how to build websites to accounting to operations. Uh, I think when I sold the biz, we had, uh, we had 20 employees. We had bought all the machinery. We had wow. a warehouse. That's uh, sick, dude. Yeah. We had, we had laborers. So we had like, we had all the sewing in house. Um, we, yeah, we, we had all of them. What so we actually you... looked. Sorry. Uh, I was, I, I, I was going to say, we, we looked at, we actually took a business trip to China in 2010 thinking about like hey can we go to china and, and do our manufacturing there hmm. we took two weeks in in china i came back and i said i hate i hate it there but then really? we're not going to do any we're not going to do any manufacturing there we're going to do everything here so we got the machines we got the people yeah like it, it was just it was, it was a terrible place um to do business and and, and just it just didn't feel right uh so we we brought everything in-house after that business trip to china and wow. the business became so much better because we could say made in USA. We had complete quality control. Um, and, and it really paid off because everybody was like, oh, they had the best quality products and we could make them much oh. faster. We didn't have to wait for shipments. We had, we had stuff you know, caught in customs once when, when we were using a Chinese manufacturer. So we had complete control over our whole operation by bringing everything in-house. What was the shift between just your school and then branching out to like having a website and doing it all over. You, you were nationwide, right? Yeah, we were nationwide. It, it happened slowly. Like we, I remember, I remember like, I think it was September of 2009 uh, when we launched the website hmm. and sometime that week we got our first order from someone in Washington. Uh, and we were like, Whoa, that's crazy. Somebody from Washington found our website and, and yeah. ordered. Uh, you know, and then we had back then fake Facebook pages was how you market it. So we had a Facebook page. Um, Not much has changed. <laughs> it was the page specifically though. You tried to get yeah. people to follow your page. So we'd, yeah, we'd ask our friends, that. hey, can you invite all your friends to to follow this page? And then that kind of grew. And then we they just started trickling in. And then the key was getting um, a couple of college uh, campus reps on, at different schools. So we had this one guy, uh, at Arizona, U of A. And I guess he was like a social chair of, of one of the fraternities and he knew everybody. So this guy, this guy was making more money than us. Being the sales rep, he was killing it. He had the whole <laughs> school ordering from, from our website. So it was a couple of people like that that really helped establish outside yeah. of our school. I'd say it took you know three to six months uh, after we launched the website to, to kind of disperse. I heard someone say actually the other day, um, a, a business advisor, he said, you want your salespeople to be the highest paid people in the company. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's good advice. You want, them, you want them, their commissions to be so sweet that they just, I, I was selling. like, what am I doing? I should just go, I want to go back to college and become a salesperson. <laughs> what yeah. are we doing here? Um, um, so yeah, that worked really well. One thing I noticed you mentioned early on is 
you kind of intuitively noticed this pain point to you. It was like, I want to buy this sweater, but I don't have the money. Like, why is everything so expensive? Was that like an active kind of thing? Like, were you thinking, okay, this is a pain point. People will probably pay to get it solved. Or was it just a more natural, like, huh, this could probably be a business. Yeah, definitely. It was a pain point because I saw how much people were spending on it. And I knew that there was a big gap in, in what it costs. And then I figured if we could just simplify and say, Hey, just get unlimited customizations. Yeah. It'll be such an easy offer um, that, that, you know, it'll work well. So it was kind of a combination of those things. And my buddy who I, I pitched the idea to, he kind of was like, Hey, this is a good idea. Let's, let's pursue it. So he yeah. kind of you know, kicked my butt to, to get it started. Uh, and then once we put it on the market, people were like, yeah, we want to, we want to order stuff right away. So it was it just kind of clicked right away. Yeah. I, yeah, I realized after I asked the question, what, what I was, what, like the main thing I was trying to ask is you always kind of had this entrepreneurial side to you versus you kind of stumble into it. This was something like, this was an active, you knew you were looking, you were like, okay, this is a business. Let me put, pull together some partners and see what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. I always knew I was going to do my own thing. Uh, even, even when I was in the, the telemarketing job, I knew I was going to do my own thing. My parents were entrepreneurs. Like so I grew up yeah. in that world. So I never really had another thought about like, not being an entrepreneur, but that was yeah. always the only option for me. Totally. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. What about, so what about Rex now? What are you doing with um, Rex? So Rex, yeah, Rex is a software as a service company. Um, our mission is to create more fun by connecting people to unique experiences. So what that means is we've created a reservation technology for activities, games, and events. So think bowling, golfing, shuffleboard, ping pong, uh, mini golf, uh, all this kind of stuff. Basically anything that's not a traditional restaurant, Rex yeah. powers, powers their online reservations. Um, so I like to say, you know, open table for activities and games uh, is, is kind of the, the one. That's a, that's a great, great way of putting it. I yeah. like that. So, so it's been a whirlwind. It's been really fun. Uh, it's been really challenging. I think we're onto something really good here. Um, it's, um, it's myself and my brother, uh, who's, who's my co-founder and Shout out yeah, our, our, um, our, right now we're, we're in growth mode. We're trying to get more, uh, venues on the platform. We're in build mode. We're building a lot of things. We're adding a lot of things. Um, and it's been like, it's been two years now, but it's been an unbelievable experience. I, uh, I always kind of knew after Greek life, I, I, my takeaway was this is great, great running your own business. The, the hardest part of that was labor management and, and creating a physical product. So I always knew my next business, I wanted to be fully digital, especially because I had a commitment Makes to be sense, remote. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I figured this, you know, software as a service companies are, you know, the new, the, the new business model um, that are kind of the standard, but it allows you to be completely flexible, completely mobile and, and just create something digitally. Um, that the previous business where you have a physical location doesn't allow you to do. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's very true in the sense that with physical products, you're limited to the supply chain versus now you're limited to like your knowledge of creating this app Yeah, and, and or, back or then website. We, back then we didn't have dropshipping services or all that kind of yeah. stuff. I know a lot of people <laughs> have dropshipping uh, businesses that they don't have to touch the product and they just make a fancy website. Um, we didn't have any of that back then. You had to have a warehouse and, and you had to ship product. Um, but yeah, man, I, Rex has been great. Uh, it's, it's really cool because the, the company was born like middle of 
pandemic in you know, late 2020, early 2021. Uh, and we kind of charged full force again, you know, in an industry that was quote unquote, you know, dead at the time, uh, hospitality and, and entertainment. Uh, we knew that it was coming back. Uh, we knew that it was going to be a big part of people's lives uh, and it wasn't going anywhere. So we were like, hey, look, we, we believe that people need to hang out in real life. Uh, we, people need to have fun. They need to go out. Um, they can't be staying home. And so we, we just continued to put our heads down and develop, um, yeah. develop it during that time. It was cool because a lot of the venues we work with were closed or semi-closed, but it gave us this like sandbox environment to be able to test in really easily when the market yeah. was kind of shut down. So we that's got, a, to, we got, that's a hundred percent. What, what I was thinking was um, when you mentioned open table, I remember as I was living in Boston at the time of the pandemic and as things were opening up, it wasn't, you showed up at this restaurant and like you and all your like 12 friends got to hang out. It's like you had to make a reservation because they wanted to limit people and they wanted to make sure that the, the virus wasn't spreading. So it made me think that like you had a really great testing opportunity that you could go to these guys and say, hey, I know you're going to start opening doors soon. Why don't you uh, uh, limit up that amount by putting them in a reservation? Yeah, and we already had those capabilities. Hey, X amount of people every half hour, right? And and they can they can set those controls and all that kind of stuff. So we already had that. And then, like you said, after the pandemic, everybody was like, oh, we need to have a reservation and walk in. And that's becoming more and more standard. Um, yeah. I, I think it's only, it's only going in that direction. I think there'll be a time when you you pretty much always have a reservation for wherever you're going. Um, so I think we're headed in that direction. I, I, so I think we're kind of in the right place at the right time. What differences have you noticed running the business in LA versus now you very recently moved to Miami. So you were talking a little bit about the, um, like how the city kind of backs you up, but what was it like moving uh, halfway through starting this and kind of living in an entirely different city? Yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, too big of a change for me because um, in general our team is remote. So I have I have developers all around the world. I have um, you know salespeople that are that are spread out across the states. Um, so from that side of it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't too challenging. I do love being on East Coast time because I feel like you get it you get a couple hours a day extra yeah. to <laughs> to work with your your West Coast peers. So it's like Very by true. 7 a.m., by 7 a.m., 8 a.m., maybe you've got an hour of work done and like everyone's still sleeping in L.A. And you feel like <laughs> you feel like you're being so productive. Um, but, yeah, for me, uh, for me, the keys were uh, just being able to be in a place where um, I, I could be efficient with my day. Uh, so the gym, the gym is like nine floors below me. So I'm, I'm at the gym there. I've got plenty of lunch options I can cook here. So I, I've sort of created a very efficient way uh you know day to day to get work done so i wouldn't say there was too much change from la uh i still go back and forth uh, quite a bit but it's been just nice like we talked about earlier when you travel you get a new perspective you're in a new city you're meeting new types of people you're yeah new kinds of ideas I, i'd say that's probably been the biggest thing and throughout your growth phase what um what are some things you've learned that works well on growing and scaling a company so we're probably not at that scale yet. So I'm working on it. Um, but what I will say is um, having some uh, process and infrastructure to scale early on helps. The caveat there being don't try and over-optimize for it right away. Because I see like a lot of people, myself included, like, hey, we're going to scale. So we have to do all of these things to be able to scale. Uh, 
before we can actually start making money that, that I would say, throw that out the window, but definitely have it in mind where it's like, if you can create a process early on, do it, save yourself the time. Yeah. Like if you, if you can just save that email as a template, it takes five minutes. <laughs> you don't have that's, to write it. That's a big one. Little, that I agree little, with. <laughs> yeah, little, little scale things, not like huge scale things. Those will come later. Um, just try and just try and win back some of your time with like little, yeah. little items like that. That's been a game changer. Um, my Google drive is stocked with templates on like so many different things. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so my unpopular opinion is I don't actually use Google drive to manage anything anymore. Cause it's really, it's, it's hard. It's hard. I try I try to keep, you know, you try and spend time organizing your folders and this and that. Yeah. It's kind of like tough. the, it's kind of like what you're talking about. Organize it early in the beginning. And then it's, it's easier versus you have so many different documents. You're like, where do I put this? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it's also like, what's your mindset? I, I think um, I, I saw some funny stuff going around Twitter, like in the last couple of weeks where like people were making fun of all of the, the productivity uh, gurus, like yeah. have this app for this, have this app for that. I think, I think to some extent, all the apps are helpful, but like there's a point of diminishing returns when you're like over-optimizing which app to use for what at the end of the day, it's like try and focus on getting the work done. If you can make a quick process to, to make it faster the next time, yeah. do that right away. And then, you know, rinse, repeat. Dude, I totally agree. I, I will admit shamefully a little bit that I drank the Kool-Aid and I tried following all these productive hacks and I was getting a headache at how much different things there are to do and how many, like, dude, I'm telling you for everybody a while. Does. Yeah, yeah everybody's like, got I into tried. It. But at the same time, I noticed like this is my philosophy changed and my productivity changed after this is uh is really just boils down to try different stuff, but like see what works for you. See like the product, like I resonate with writing down the three things I want to do for my day at night. Cool. That works for me. Um, other things like, yeah. like Notion, don't know how to use it. Everyone swears by it. I have no fucking clue on, on Notion, what to do with that. Like to me, that's just an extra software. Like I prefer yeah. writing things down on paper. Yeah. So it's like learning what you work with and then working with that, I guess. That's my, yeah. that's my life tip. Look, every, everybody's been caught up in it, myself included, you know, for years. And then you, you, you try and break out of it. Like you you can follow someone online and they've got a system and then you're like, great, that system's good. And then you start to implement it step by step. And then you, eventually you run into some point where their system's going to be different than yours. Yeah. And then you're like, shit, what do I do now? And then you kind of, the whole thing breaks and then yeah. you stop using it and you're like, all right, let's try the next one. And so then you, you try the next exactly. new productivity wave. So yeah. definitely, definitely Relatable. like be organized, be on top of your shit, but like just go get the work done. Um, and then if you can make a little, a little hack, a little, a little process to get it done faster the next time, then, then even better. Yeah. What, what tips would you have? on on knowing the difference between early on which processes to kind of systemize and and keep versus the ones that you know you said it's a waste of time to over optimize how do you kind of find that balance yeah i'll, I'll tell you in one line and probably a mistake that i made early on uh, optimize for getting money in the bank anything that's going to get you money in the bank that's I like that's that <laughs> i like that if it's going to make you money then speed that up if it's not then, then don't really worry about it. Um, so anything you can do to make your sales process better, like I said, if you have sales, you know, emails that you, you're yeah. always writing, make five templates and then test them out totally a couple of times. And that'll, that'll accelerate money in the bank. If you have a couple of different offers that you're usually sending people, then write them down in a couple of different ways. And contracts, use, things like yeah, that. Yeah, contracts, use that as a template, right? So like, I, I noticed like, 
so many times I would get stuck when it, when it came time to ask for the sale or make the offer because I didn't have the process in place. And I was like, Oh, I, I gotta do the X, Y, and Z before I make the offer. So like, if you want to spend a little bit of time optimizing, optimize for what, what's going to make money for you, what's going to get money in the bank. So optimize your process for collecting money, sending out your, your invoice really easily and being able to have them click and pay in one click instead of being like, Hey, I'll, you know, can you mail a check to here or whatever? Here are my ACH details, you know, wired, like make it easy for people to pay you. I, I would say like, if you want to spend any time optimizing, spend it all on, on how to collect money. Yeah. I love that. I love <laughs> Everything that. else will follow. Right? <laughs> Keep the finance team happy and you'll, you'll be Yeah. Growing. I mean, if you, if you need to spin out a Shopify site to collect payments, do it and just put yeah. your product as a, put your, whatever your service is as a product and then send someone the link and say, just buy this, right? So make it easy. So, so I would, I would say anything you can do to get money in the bank, you know, focus on that. I love that. That's the early stage. Always really, but yeah. the early stage. It's like the most helpful tip I've heard in that category. <laughs> and I love that it came from something that you learned early on that was a mistake. Yeah. You're like, you know what? I grow revenue. That's what we're doing here. Get money in the bank. That's how you live. And that's how you grow. Um, I, one thing I really liked is that you, you made a commitment to yourself back when you said, I don't like this drive. I don't love that. I'm doing this. I will work remote before it was even a thing before people knew what that was about. You said, I'm making a commitment to work remote, uh, because it was something that you, you didn't want to commute. It was a waste of your time. Do you have any other sets of like personal commitments or principles you've made to yourself that you follow through, uh, on your daily life? At this stage, um, at this stage, I think health is the other one. So hmm. I'll never let um, my business or the business growth get in the way of you know fitness and health, which I think are yeah. you know more important than than everything that we're doing. So that's probably number one now. So it's like, what's it all worth if you're not going to be healthy? Uh, so that's that's the, the lifelong commitment, I guess, um, at this stage. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, that's what keeps you in the game longer and keeps you playing. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the, the whole stuff about like grind culture got kind of popular maybe a couple of years back where you're like, you got to be grinding, you got to be eating shitty food, you got to be like sleeping less. Like I, yeah. I, I don't really bind it to that stuff. Like I think you should sleep well. I think you should try to eat well. <laughs> you should hit the gym. You should also yeah. work like when, when it's time to work. But um, I think the health thing is super important. Totally agree. To me, it's health and, and mental health definitely falls under that umbrella is, is the sleep is a part of keeping your brain healthy, keeping your body healthy. And that that's ultimately what leads to the productivity. Yeah. By all means, you can have, you can have sprints, you know, you can have projects that you're working on and you sleep less during a certain period of time and you're, you're super focused and, 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 you know, you kind of sprint towards a goal, but it's not sustainable over a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, do you have any, any habits that you've kind of built up any routines that you live by? <sighs> My day is pretty, is pretty consistent, uh, as, as far as the routines. Yeah. Um, I, and I, and I, by the way, I change it up, uh, probably every couple of months just so yeah. you, you don't, you don't go crazy. So I'd say like every, every quarter. Or so I probably shake up the routine a bit. And also if I'm in Miami, the routine is a little different than, than if I'm in LA. Um, but in general, when I wake up in the morning, I do a quick workout I try and get some, you know, 30 minutes, uh, workout in. Then I'll come back uh, and and get my like most productive hours. In. So like that that's sort of like two hours uninterrupted in the morning um, after the workout. From then on, the rest of the day is like you can kind of like 
have meetings, uh, answer emails, things like that. I, I do that pretty much all the way through like five uh, with, with lunch included. And I'll hit the gym again at five. And then the part where it gets kind of tricky is like after the, after the gym, it's like yeah. in your head, in your head, like you want to maybe get a little bit more work done or you want to go out or something like that. So that, that part of it is tough to balance. Um, if you've got a lot of stuff going on, I'll, I'll probably hit another hour or so after that. If not, I'll just I'll chill or, or try and go out, but it's pretty like, it's pretty consistent in that. I try to, I try to do two active things a day, you know, whether it's a run or, or, uh, you know, work out in the morning, one in the yeah. evening. And then I think the most important part is like, the two hours of uninterrupted, um, uninterrupted, uh, deep work. So what, one of the things I'll do is I'll, um, if you've got an iPhone, you can do downtime on, on the iPhone. Hmm. So you can go, to, you can go to your screen settings and then you can set downtime till 10 AM. And so then you won't even get your, like all your bullshit notifications till yeah. 10 a.m. Like it'll almost be like your phone's off. You'll have a few of them come through and you can make exceptions. Like every time you'll try to use an app and it's like this app is locked, you can make an exception and, and add that one. Like, yeah, like the calculator or whatever. You're like, no, I need to use my calculator right now. Um, so I think that's, that's, been a really that's making one. money. That's bringing money yeah, in with exactly. the calculator. So you keep exactly. it that. So yeah, man, I, I think downtime is super helpful. Um, getting that, that first two hours of like uninterrupted work. And then you answer emails, like you, you, you do calls, you do meetings, things like that. The, the day can drag you in a, you know, a few different directions. But as long as you get that like first kind of core two to three hours in the morning, you're going to be productive. Yeah. Now, I'm a big fan of the, the quarterly shake it up. Uh, but what it, why is it that you do that? Why is it that you kind of um, spice it up I, a little every, I, every I don't sh- I don't shake it up just to do it. I shake it up because either like I've fallen out of this, the ideal schedule and I've, yeah. I've, I've, you know, made compromises. And so you just kind of do it again and it, and it keeps you honest. I would say that's the main thing. And then you make a couple of tweaks based on what's happened and what your new life schedule is like. You just want to update. So I don't think, I think if it's working, you don't want to make too many Updates, changes, good. but everyone, yeah, your life is changing. Maybe you're in a relationship now and you weren't before you have to make updates to, to that yeah, schedule. Very so. true. Right. So, so you just kind of want to modify to meet where you are in life. Yeah. For me, it's the, for me, it's usually in a, in a period of a rut whenever I feel stagnant, whether I'm doing like sometimes consistency is a very powerful thing. That's something I believe it's, it's a lot of consistent actions will get you some great results, but there are times when that consistency kind of feels monotonous and you just get in this, this mental rut and that's totally. when I like to introduce variety. Like I've noticed the best thing for getting out of a rut is just doing completely random, wild, different shit, but in your normal daily routine. So like, for example, if you're driving to work, take a different route to work. Like it's very weird. It's a very small thing, but that, that kind of shakes things up and, and adds some sense of different and newness. So like one thing I like to do is I, I usually wake up meditate journal go to the gym i'll start changing the order of that i'll wake up go straight to the gym and then i'll like journal and then i'll know like it just changes things and that really helps get out of a rut so that's why i'm a fan of um the randomly shaking it up but i love what you said about updates yeah it's pretty difficult to predict what's going to happen to your life in three months especially if you are trying to achieve so many different things so just being able to take like a personal audit is important. Absolutely. I love that. And there's a, um, there's a coach I follow online. His name is Dan Martell. 
he, he coaches like Sassy does. He's got a framework. Um, I think it's called uh, the perfect schedule, something like that. So it's like, uh, I've used that a couple of times where you try and like mark down like what your priorities are in each kind of category between your finances and relationships, things like that. And then you mm-hmm. fit time in a schedule and you'd be surprised. Like when you, when you look at your day in a visual kind of like calendar way, how much time you can fit in if you're actually being you know, honest and efficient with your time. So the honest is the hard fr- part. Yeah. There's frameworks out there. There's frameworks out there, but the idea is like, don't be too hard on yourself um, and don't make it rigid, you know, do an analysis yeah. every once in a while. If you're in a rut, like you said, mix it up, you know, shake something up, do something different. Um, and then, you know, tweak it up and optimize and, and keep pushing. That's the way to do yeah. it. Constantly iterate. Um, what habits have you had to remove from your life that have helped you out? I think I'm inherently kind of lazy. Uh, <laughs> like I like to chill. Uh, and then, and then, That's like, the LA side of you. Yeah. You just like to chill. And then like, sometimes if you think like, um, you're so smart that you can do stuff in less time. So you kind of get, you, you kind of feed your own ego and you get lazy. Yeah. I think that's, the, I think that was, that's probably the biggest one. Um, where you just can't like, just kind of can't, you can't get too comfortable. Um, so I think, I think that's a habit that I've, I've definitely tried to drop. It's like you get too comfortable. Things got, things got too easy. You know, everything's in a good place. Complacency. Uh, yeah. Complacency. Yeah. Yeah. You can chill for a bit. So I, I would kind of advise against that because like, it just, it lingers when you, when you start to introduce that a bit, it lingers. But when you keep the fire, when you keep the hunger, like it compounds, right? Yeah. So it's like either it lingers in one way or it compounds the other way. So you, you definitely want it to be compound. And one thing that I think is super awesome, just because of how close I am with my family is that your brother, your co-founder, and you're working with him a lot. Uh, how is it working with your brother? And kind of like, how has that impacted your relationship as well? Man, it's great. It, it really is great. So it, it, it almost feels like you got another one of you that you can kind of bounce things off of and, and you fully trust and you can get stuff done. Like me and my brother, like we speak almost our own language. So we have, we can communicate, I remember that. Yeah, right. we can communicate <laughs> much faster, much more efficient through looks through, you know, shorter words. So having that makes things a lot easier. Um, we're able to to sit down together and get something done a lot faster because, you know, we know each other's language and things like that. Um, of course there are some challenges and, and you're kind of always in a, you're always in work mode, you know, mm. so you're always like talking yeah. about work or, you know, there's always something that you need, that needs to be done. Um, that's, you know, that's something you, you definitely have to consider, but I think net net it's a, it's a total win. If you're able to do it, um, you want to be able to share the wins with your family and, and grow something yeah. together. I think it's, I think it's the best. Totally agree. Have you ever been in a, in a meeting where you just both look at each other and go without saying words deals off, not doing it uh, all the time. We, we know, we know each other's like, we can read each other so easily. With yeah. One glance <laughs> or something like that. Where like, it, it's, it's hard not to laugh like, yeah. in a situation like that where you, you know what the other person's thinking. So it's, it's nice to have that for sure. Yeah. That's, that's so sweet, man. Yeah, that's that's, that's very time. lucky. Yeah. That's the, yeah. that's the dream, dude. Um, all right. So talked about hobbies a little bit now. What about any creative outlets? Do you have anything that you like to, to do kind of on the creative side? It's been a while, it's been a while since I've done it and it's been kind of creeping up again that I want to try it again, but, um, it's up comedy. 
Uh, really? You yeah, did that? Something, uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, I got the itch to try it. So I, I signed up for a class. And at the end of the class, uh, kind of like the, the culmination was to do a five-minute uh, bit at the improv. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of like putting together everything you learned. That process is is fun and very challenging. I mean, one of the cooler things that I've done, like really feels like you feel an accomplishment when it's done because you had to spend hours writing it, kind of crafting how to say it. Uh, Even though I haven't done it in a while, like you always, you know, have stuff in the back of your head and you're trying to craft like little, you know, little one-liners or or punchy things, things like that. That keeps you kind of creative. Um, that's That's been a fun one. Uh, and then the other one I would say is writing. Uh, I don't really publish a lot of writing. I probably should, but, but writing, uh, you know, thoughts and, and ideas, yeah. I think it's super helpful to, to be creative. Um, I'd say those, are the, those are the two. Yeah. Dude, I love writing. I could talk about that for, for days, but onto up comedy. I think that is such <laughs> a fascinating, uh, art. And I think like two, some of the most vulnerable things that you can possibly do putting yourself out there is, uh, in my opinion, singing and stand-up comedy. But the thing about those two is singing, you can practice alone and get good on your own before you get in front of people. Stand-up comedy, you have to practice in front of people because like you might think it's hilarious. Nobody would laugh. Like you can practice delivery by yourself, yes. But you really need to practice it in front of people and get like the crowd's reaction. So you're yeah. you're just, talk about rejection proofing, bro. You're just putting yourself out there. It's very hard. Uh, yeah, I was so, so, so nervous when I did it. I think like when I, when I first went out, I kind of forgot the first sentence and then it kind of, it, it kind of came back to me and I, yeah. I, I settled down a bit, but, um, it's nerve wracking for sure. Yeah. But, but That's the, pretty the cool sweet. thing about the cool thing about stand up in general is like, you know, the, the comedic side is one thing, but like the observational side and being able to articulate interesting things that you see in, in the world and, you know, bite that down to a one liner is actually very challenging. And so yeah. that exercise in itself is like, a, is a cool creative process to try and distill down ideas or, or things that you think might are interesting or weird and then kind of breaking that down. So it's like from the communication side of things, it's, it helps you improve, you know, the way you communicate, the way you exchange ideas. That alone is a great writing exercise. And I, I, I would be willing to, to wager that that helps kind of boil down your mission. Like you're doing this, big, crazy, like ideas, but to be able to say it into one sentence or like a tagline, you need to be able to distill that in as simple and clear and concise as possible. Uh, maybe you're not putting as much humor for your, your company's yeah, mission, exactly, but, exactly. but the concept, the concept's kind of there. Yeah. Look, and this is like why memes have become so popular in, in our culture now, because really what does it mean? It's like a lot of information in a, in a picture or yeah. a small thing and you're, and you're giving the information. So you know, yeah, it's, a more, it's, it's become a more efficient way of communicating because you can send a meme to someone, they'll know, it'll be like you told them a story, right? It, they'll, yeah. know where you, they'll know what you think that's about so it. That's so cool, yeah. So, so that's the reason, you know, memes are really efficient. And so comedy is a part of that, right? So it's a, it's a subsect of that um, to be able to kind of take a whole idea, boil it down into a one-liner and then deliver that. And then people are like, oh, he thinks that and he also thinks that and I also think that, you know, and then that's funny. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I it's like four that. or five things at one. That's so true with the memes, dude. You Sometimes you can send the picture without any caption and that'll tell you everything you need to know. 
memes are are the most efficient way that we've come up with to exchange ideas and information right now for better or for worse <laughs> that, <laughs> that, I, that, I that i don't know but we, you know we know for sure it's efficient so on to traveling you love traveling you this is when i first heard that you were doing remote before everyone it was when you and your brother were talking about your trip you guys just took a couple months to travel backpack around europe but you were still grinding and working uh what's what got you interested to travel in the first place and what are some cool places my parents, uh, we traveled a lot as kids. So I would say we got lucky. My, my uh, parents always wanted to plan trips when we were kids. So we did quite a bit of traveling, um, you know, into our, our teenage years. And so when we got older, we, we just kind of kept it going. Um, I, I would say we had like the passion to travel, but then we also were like good at it because you can travel, but you can get hit. Like you can get pretty hard if you're not organized or if, you're yeah, not, like, you, yeah. if you haven't oh, planned it and then like oh, your trip can be a disaster. Right. So we, we, like, we realized that we're pretty, we're pretty good at traveling me and my brother. Uh, so once, you know, the, the business was running remotely and, and we're able to kind of manage it that way. The idea was let's go explore new spots. I think the first, the first trip we took was in, in 2016 in uh, to Budapest. And, you know, we were just wanted to, explore a new city. And I think we spent a month there. We actually designed a first version of some product that we were you know, uh, developing at that time while we were there. So it was really cool. That went well. And from then on, we started adding more trips and said, look, every year, let's try and, and do a couple weeks, you know, outside of our normal day to day. Look, it, there is a cost. I'm not going to pretend like you have the same level of productivity. But the benefit is like we talked about earlier, you get a new perspective and you kind of come back energized and, and refreshed. Yeah. I think th when, when you balance out what you're getting from the cost, number one, you do got to be organized because a, a bad trip or a, a <laughs> you're, trip you're you're gonna gonna another one. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to be way too focused on the things not going well to actually enjoy it and get the benefits of traveling. But I think, yeah, traveling, getting that, that shift in perspective, Talk about breaking out of your rut, bro. When your whole environment is in a different language, you're, you're, you're going to be like on a different wavelength, but it, it'll definitely help in the long run. And it helps uh, expand your perspective, give you different ideas, different. Um, yeah. Just get out in the water. If you can get in the ocean, uh, you know, that's always, it's always a nice way to, to break things up. Yeah, dude. You, you went from one coast to the other, but you picked some of the most beautiful cities. Stay, stay by the water. That's been my thing. I'm looking at Texas now. <laughs> really? We'll what, see. Uh, we'll see. What, what, what city? Uh, I don't know yet, but, but something is interesting is happening with Texas in that, like, there's, um, there's a good workforce there. People want to work. Uh, it's inexpensive. Um, so I, I, I don't have any site set on it yet, but I think it's super interesting, you know, uh, what's yeah, you just got to Miami in, in, like last month in Austin and in, in Dallas. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. I got, I got a trip to Austin coming up soon. Actually. I'm really excited. I want to check it is out. It like a, is it like a bachelor party or what's going no, on? No, it's, it's just some homies. Nice. Yeah. It's just some friends. We're, we're checking it out. We were going to go during the F1 race actually coming up, but that the schedules couldn't align. I was so bummed, dude. I, I really wanted to check it out for, for the race. Yeah, Austin's a fun city, uh, especially like younger. I felt a little old when I was there uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it's like it's it's meant for people who want to go out to you know bar hopping and drinking. So it's it's like yeah. that's the that's the vibe. It's a cool spot. Good food so, too. 
So uh, you were talking a little about the the hobbies that you've been getting getting into, kind of trying out in Miami. And the one that stuck out to me was kite surfing. What what interests you? How did you find out about kite surfing? What what got you into this? I just see videos on Instagram and it looks so cool. <laughs> and I'm like, I might one day be able to do that. So yeah, <laughs> I haven't started yet, but I'll let you know if I'm able to even get a little bit of air. Yeah, uh, it seems like a challenge. Um, it looks amazing. Uh, so there's a spot, you know, not too far from here that does lessons. I think I'm going to pick it up in, you know, in the next month or two. Dude, definitely send that. That would be, that'd be sweet. I'll send you a video if I can get in the air. Uh, if not, <laughs> yeah. then it might take a couple extra months. <laughs> yeah. We'll post it on the podcast website. Yeah. This is what, this they, is what founders are up to now. Yeah. They say, they say it takes like uh, 13 to 15 hours of instruction before you can actually like get on wow. the thing and, and be like functional on it. So we'll see, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Uh, and then you've also been getting into tennis and golf. How's, how's that been going for you? Yeah. So, so the golf thing is interesting. We, we work with a lot of companies in the golf space. Yeah. And so I was like, I told Josh, my brother, we need to pick up golf. If we're going to have all these golfing clients. <laughs> so, it's very true. Um, it just feels like the, the, the right thing to do. We haven't started yet. Um, I, I played a couple of years ago. I probably haven't picked up a, a club in like six years, but I, I played a little bit um, maybe in the last decade. So I'm like, I need to pick it up again. We'll see. We'll see how rusty I am. Yeah. And you like that better than tennis, I'm guessing. I'm just not very good at tennis. <laughs> Dude, all the things you're mentioning... <laughs> I'm just not very good at tennis, but again, tennis looks fun. Uh, yeah. I played basketball growing up. Uh, it's very different sports, but it's funny. Uh, in my, my bedroom overlooks a tennis court. So I see people huh. playing tennis all day and, look, <laughs> and it looks pretty easy. So I'm like, maybe, maybe I can figure this out. Dude, all the things you're mentioning, I feel like are tons of fun, but take like a good bit of commitment in the beginning to actually get comfortable with. And that getting to there is so frustrating. Like I've heard time and time again with golf, something I want to pick up, but haven't yet. And I hear it's, it takes like a solid year to actually get like to, to a comfortable swing. Yeah. You just need to go with people who are like a little bit on your level and a little bit better. Yeah. Not like too much better where like it's annoying it's not fun. For, yeah. for them. Yeah. For, the, for you to play with them. Uh, and so like you do that with the right group and then you kind of get better together and then you can go to another group, get a little bit better. But yeah, I, I think, I think the idea is like, not to worry too much about how good you are, but if you're having fun and like, and if you're making a social um, thing out of it. So like out here in Miami, uh, you know, tennis is super social, golf, super social. Like you can just get people together and go out and play. And yeah. if you're not, if you're not very good, you're not very good. It's, it's all good. Yeah. Makes sense. All right, Kev, thank you so much for coming on. I have a couple closing questions and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, you um, got it. These are, these are more chill questions. So first of all is what kind of music do you listen to? All right. So I listen to like six to eight hours of music a day. So a lot of different stuff from, yeah. Wow. From, really? From, yeah. So music is a big part of the day to day. Josh is very good at curating uh, the, the beats. Uh, so uh, I say and cooking, dude, that guy, shout, shout out the beast. steaks he made. He did. He did make us some good steaks that day. He, yeah. yeah. That was that some was of the wild. best. That brontosaurus like, dude, that thing is huge. Yeah. So yeah. Music wise, I think um, like progressive and deep house, uh, some of the more common rap now moving into the, into like more unique stuff like Afro beats, like burner boy. Uh, yeah. Big burner boy fan. And that kind of Afro beats I like. Uh, and then, Something 
new that I've been getting into is ethno house. So ethno, ethno house is more like it's more like Arabic Middle Eastern beats on on house music, and so it feels like very natural or like ancestral uh, yeah. to me. So that's something that I've been, I've been getting <laughs> you got into. The ties. Um, that's like me listening to reggaeton. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you feel like, you feel a, at home. It's got a you taste of home. home. Yeah, it's yeah, got yeah, a taste of like home. home. <laughs> yeah, so ethno house is a new one that that I've been doing. I do a lot of like you know just progressive and melodic house. Um, yeah, believe it or not, uh, I like country music. I don't listen to it all the time, but I do like country music quite a bit. Uh, it's always fun. Uh, yeah, and then um, yeah, reggae, reggae, reggae. Nice is fun too. So you, I try and mix it up uh, because when you listen to so much music, yeah, it just gets old. The, the pattern, the, the repetitive. Yeah. Um, I love, dude. I want to check out Ethno House. That sounds cool. And as for country, to me, I feel like the what I've noticed the t- the time I love listening to country the most is if I'm ever on a boat on a lake. For some reason, on a boat on a lake is to me where I listen to country music. Uh, yeah, totally random, but I gotta get I gotta get you on melodic house on a boat on a lake. It's even better. <laughs> Country's pretty good, but melodic house is like All a right. step above. Yeah, but um, I hear you on that one, dude. When I go out to Miami, it'll it'll be soon. Uh, what sure. so what are some what are some uh, movies or TV shows that you recommend? This is gonna sound bad. I don't recommend any movies or TV shows. I um I, I did watch uh, uh, Better Call Saul. I, I like that one. I, I was a big Breaking Bad fan. I think that's worth a watch. Um, outside of that, let's see new ones that I did watch. Um, oh, the um, I think it's called Well Winning Time. Winning Time. If you're a Lakers fan or dude, NBA that fan, was a good one. Super yeah. interesting. Done in a fun way that it wasn't like too much of a documentary style. Yeah, uh, I thought that was fun. Um, uh, recent last movie I watched was Top Gun. Top Gun was pretty dope, actually. Dude, I was Top a fan. Was pretty good. Yeah, I, I watched good. it in theaters twice. I'll I'll say that. I'll admit yeah, it. So I, I watched the original one on the airplane. Uh, this last time I was flying. So now I've, I've, I've rounded out the series there. <laughs> yeah. You felt like you were in it. Um, what, so what books are you reading right now? What books am I reading? I'm reading a book, uh, the way of the superior man. Uh, it's an interesting one. It's about like, it's about you read like that before. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Uh, just life, uh, love, uh, that, you know, Kind of like healthy masculine having a, yeah having a healthy yeah healthy masculine energy exactly um i'm reading a book by um uh, alex formosi 100 million dollar offers uh, that's a good one pretty pretty straight up uh you know no bs uh content yeah i usually like to pick up uh you know a book a week something like that uh typically something around like psychology or money those are probably the two. So, yeah, psychology and like kind of life wellness uh, or something like specifically business related that I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, dude. Uh, a couple guests have actually recommended $100 million offers. So like they preached it so well that I actually picked up the book and I, I wanted I, I haven't opened it yet, but I really look forward to reading it. I hear it's got like a lot of valuable stuff in there. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably finish it this weekend. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. It's a short book. Uh, it's, it's, it's no bullshit. Uh, I think it's definitely... Like if you're just getting into business or starting out, super, super valuable, um, like cut through the noise kind of stuff. Sweet. And final question is where can people find you and Rex Reservations? Yeah. So our website is reservewithrex.com. 
myself personally, I'm at K-E-V-A-N uh, on Instagram. I don't really have too much of a Twitter presence yet. Um, we'll see maybe the next time. But yeah, uh, reservewithrex.com and at Kevin on, on Instagram. Sweet. Kev, thank you very much for this conversation. It was great having you. Armand, a pleasure. See you out here in Miami soon. Yeah, very soon. All right, peace. Later.